0: you're listening to the songs of inspiration podcast bringing you local interviews and performances by singer songwriters with the goal to give space to the music community and share local artists messages and stories with the world i'm your host lars wickland Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Songs of Inspiration podcast. I'm here in the studio with Jay Passaro. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today, Jay. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So to start things off, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with music and uh, your background? Sure. There was
1: always kind of a guitar around the house because my dad likes to play and strum a little bit. I mm-hmm. um, you know, I did band in middle school and all that, played saxophone. I think I took piano lessons when I was really young, like a a kid kid. So I've always kind of been around it. And then in high school, I think I started getting more into playing guitar with with friends and Mm -hmm. trying to come up with stuff. And then in college, I had a band. I've always been around music or enjoyed being a part of it Mm -hmm. in one capacity or the other. And then in my early 20s, I think that's when I kind of started doing this singer-songwriter Thing, a mm-hmm. guitar, vocal type deal, and started picking up gigs around town at all the local bars. And I had a long-standing gig as the minstrel at <laughs> Boston's Medieval Manor. Oh, cool. When that was a thing that was, I did that for 11 years. It was, I think, my first paid steady gig in music. I did that for a long time, certainly in the peripherals. And I think as I got into my, my 20s, it became a little bit more of a focus for me. I've just always enjoyed it. And all the different aspects of it. So
0: nice. Yeah, very cool. Were there any influences you had as you started out with music?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I can remember being uh, a young kid and hanging out in the basement with with my dad and him playing the Beatles and you know Chris Isaac and the Moody mm-hmm. Blues, certainly Tom Petty. So even as a kid, I was I was really like you know again, just music was always around me. There was an appreciation for it. Even like the soundtrack for musicals, my mom had like the Les Misérables <laughs> CD. I, I got a little bit. more more into it and you start asking questions like oh who played on this album and why do I love these records so much yeah you know for inspirations uh, it's weird like so much of it has been the people around me Mm -hmm. you know I I had uh you know certainly starting out with my father playing a little bit of guitar and then high school you meet some friends that play x y and z and you're kind of like oh that's really cool how do you do that (laughs) or whatever and that always has continued into college and and you know even to this day. But certainly for for mainstream or or notable artists that I've always enjoyed, Tom Petty's like top of the list for me. Very
2: cool. But then I
1: love like guitar players like Tommy Emmanuel, and I I love jam bands like Fish and the Dead. And then I, you know, certainly love the quintessential singer-songwriter stuff, like James Taylor was a huge influence.
0: Nice.
1: I loved Michael Hedges. I, st- I still love Michael Hedges. So it's kind of all over the board, which has proven to keep me really engaged in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, forming a career, I don't know if it's been a blessing or a curse because mm-hmm. it's, like, maybe it's just time. You know, I've always wanted to experiment with different genres. Sometimes I wish I had something that was like I've always done X genre of music mm-hmm. that seems to work for a lot of people. And and I think from listeners and from an outside perspective, people like to latch on to something that's consistent. Yeah, like anything, which makes total sense. And there's there's an art to that. And it, yeah, it's but there's also like as an artist, I think it's more enjoyable to kind of bounce around. a little bit so yeah i mean it's i've taken a lot of influences over the years but i think for me what i've enjoyed about you know all the artists that i've just listed and even like like jazz artists you know i think there's if there's a great song there's a great song and that's kind of like what i've always paid attention to at the core i think that's awesome
0: that's cool that you have that that range of influences and i
1: it's weird yeah, it's well, it,
0: it's cool because I think you, you discover different things as, you, as you're as songwriting and stuff from that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It can really change up your sound and keep it fresh, too, and stuff.
1: Well, it's funny, you know, you take a band like, you know, the Grateful Dead, and, I mean, at their core, they had great songs. Like, yeah. Sugary is one, probably one of my favorite songs by them. Mm-hmm. And same thing with, like, Fish. Like, here's a here's a band that... You know most people revere for their their improvisation and their jams but i mean mm. like farmhouse is an amazing song like they have so yeah. many they have these singer songwriter essences and then tommy emmanuel um even though there's very few of his songs with lyrics um you know his guitar has like these almost like a vocal like expression where you can identify the melody and everything and you know, I, I I've always enjoyed that and certainly, you know, Tom Petty, James Taylor, it's kind of the whole the whole package for yeah, for yeah. great songs. You just you know, I've gotten into Bruce Springsteen more and more. He was a little bit more acquired for me. And then still to this day, you know, local artists that are around playing, it's and we, we do so much booking. We have like a booking agency that we run and mm-hmm. we're always listening to other acts out there and it's just wild there's so much good craft
0: yeah (laughs) everywhere you look kind of absolutely yeah yeah Um, i've found that with the podcast too there's so much cool like music happening in the scene and it's great yeah Um, it's been a lot of fun to to get have people on and get to know that scene more and more and stuff and and whatnot what do you think kind of are the kind of like essential elements to like crafting a good song
1: oh man (laughs) jeez it's so much, but so much of it too, I think, is like, I was having this conversation with someone, like, what's what's a, f- a favorite song of yours, or a favorite artist, or maybe think. just anything that most people would know, Um, like, a, I, you know, that stood the test of time. Song for you by oh, yeah. Ray
0: Charles. Okay. I don't think it was written by him, though, but
1: performed So him. I was talking with someone how, like... I mean, that would be a fine example, but like, let's take like Dark Side of the Moon, like an iconic album, right? Imagine if that song was recorded on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday, and the temperature was five degrees different. And, you know, it it could be argued that that album, because I think so much of recording is like catching a a time period or a spirit spirit or an essence. It's like a very spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, the songs have to be great. I think certainly a strong melody a great performance, there's going to be something that catches people's ear, whether it be a strong hook, you know, but that's kind of all like, I don't want to say the objective stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, if you're going to write a song, A, B, A, B,
2: C, (laughs)
1: you know, it's like, that's kind of like the boring stuff because there's so many songs that live outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. That like, you know, if you were to break it down objectively, it would make no sense Mm -hmm. for what typically catches people so you know i think it has to be done well performed well i think ultimately the biggest part of it is writing something that feels true to the artist yeah and i think if the artist can do that then it's gonna stand a chance at resonating to a broader audience not that that's the gauge of a great song either you know yeah yeah it's really hard to tell. It is. You know, I, what happens if you take your favorite song and you switch all the instruments? Like, is it still gonna... Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, then you think about, like, great recordings, like some of the old technology where it doesn't sound half as clear or clean as the stuff today. It's just, like, has incredible heart and soul to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. S- yeah. yeah. So,
1: I don't know. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. If I knew the formula, you know, like... yeah life might be a little easier. I, I don't know. It's. I think it's so many different things that it's maybe truly lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Um, it's a spiritual thing. It's a subjective thing. It's an objective thing. But I think that ultimately it's it comes down to the artist writing something that they feel is, is true to themselves. Absolutely. And however that's done, if it's done well, I think it will resonate.
0: Very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's a great answer, and I think you're right. There is a lot that goes into it and oh, a lot gee. of just elements at play when creating that and stuff. Cause like, 100%. Yeah, I remember some of those older recordings, like some of the Led Zeppelin stuff, I think there was one song that it was like there was a tape delay that was actually like an accident or something, yeah. and it's like if that didn't happen, it wouldn't have sounded the way it did. Well, we stuff. were
1: talking, I was talking with a buddy of mine about uh, When the Levee Breaks and they recorded that in an old mansion and the way they mic the drums like up the staircase and, you know, what a, and that whole song like feels like Halloween almost, you know, it's like, wow, like there's something in the air. Led Zeppelin's a great example too. I mean, like Stairway to Heaven, like iconic song, does it necessarily meet like the, the objective requirements of like current pop music? Yeah you know and then look at so many songs in different genres songs that like you know drake for yeah, example yeah. like if you listen to his a lot of his stuff it's like well it's it's just a different a different thing but i think it's artists being true to to whatever they do definitely i don't know
0: so when did you know as you were kind of starting out with music when you wanted to kind of pursue a path full time with music
1: I mean, it was really kind of a a gradual thing to me. I think, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily, like, a decision, like, I'm going to do this. I think it was just something that I always gravitated towards, and I always did it. And in college, which I I, I didn't finish college, because I I always found myself choosing to go play Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing something else. Yeah, And, and, you know, I had a bunch of crappy jobs. Like, I lived in Burlington, Vermont, for a long time, and... I I was, like, really starting to get into music there. And Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of crappy jobs that I was always trying to get out of to go practice with my band or Mm -hmm. sit in my room and write songs. You know, I think it was a combination of not being able to hold down any type of, like, regular job and always wanting to do it. And I was you know my my father he was he's in the business of flipping homes mm-hmm. so i always always like doing handyman construction stuff and i don't know just then when i started working at the medieval manor and getting bar gigs and stuff and i was able to kind of pay my way i was like oh this is interesting and kind of i i always knew i wanted to do it yeah, but i don't think there was ever like a day you know, it's funny, I, I, you see a lot of artists that are like, I'm pursuing music full time and, and that's great, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's almost like they have a stop date and a start date. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of didn't didn't work that way for me. It's yeah. just something I was always interested in. I would call it inevitable, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe just because I, I just, I don't know, I just always wanted to do it and it, it always interested me and I consider myself very lucky mm-hmm. to have to be able to work in a field that I find fascinating and enjoy being a part of.
0: Did you have any mentors or anyone who helped you along the way as you started out?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I'm always, you know, I've been very lucky to have some mentorship throughout my career. When I started working at the Medieval Manor, One of my best friends to this day, this guy, Matt Leahy, you know, I went from not having too much experience on stage to playing two, three, four, sometimes seven shows Mm -hmm. a week with this cast. And I was the only person that played an instrument while everyone else sang over it. But the artistic director who played the role of the king and amongst other roles in the oaf, he was just such a brilliantly funny guy. I think I'm actually going to go hang out with him tonight. But what a singer, what a live performer. He just really lived in the moment and you know he was someone that really gave me the encouragement to keep keep going with cool. this he's like you got this like you're you're good at what you do and don't let anything discourage you from it my parents of course have been great but they're not in the in the field you mm-hmm. know they're mm-hmm. my mom's a court reporter and my dad is in real estate and construction yeah. essentially you know so I've been really lucky to have you know of course Matt in my life and there's been a lot of other people too that maybe if it wasn't so much as like a mentor but people that have really given me opportunity and got out of their way to help me which I've I've really appreciated and fortunately for me there's almost like too many to name like I've I've Mm -hmm. had a lot of people that have been very good to me whether it be someone in radio that has constantly given me an outlet to perform or Whether it be a promoter that keeps bringing me back for shows. And through all of these little connections and relationships, I consider them all mentors in a sense because, you know, I've had promoters that have given me, you know, an hour after the show to talk and say, hey, like, teach me about that side of the business. And then I've had some of the bands and musicians I've worked with, I've had some great advice from legendary artists, which which has just been like a total trip, you know. So I've I've really been lucky along the way to have some people that really know what they're doing and know what they're talking about to guide me and give me some opportunity when and where they can. Um, And I'm just very grateful for that.
0: Speaking of Legendary artists, you have had the chance to tour with some pretty big names and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's it's really been wild. I started, you know, I, I was actually a, ra- a radio host. Do you know Cat Williams? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cat uh, Wilson, I'm sorry. Cat ran a show called The Cheap Seats for, for years, mm-hmm. and I love Cat. She's one of the most incredible, supportive people of this music scene. And she kind of got me one of my first opening sets, and I had a buddy that, that runs a studio up in northern New Hampshire, and he helped get a couple opening sets, and mm-hmm. that kind of snowballed to the point where I've built some some relationships with some household names, and now I've been able to work with them. You know, this past summer, like, I, I've toured a lot on and off for probably the past six or seven years with Three Dog Night, which was, you know, one of the first bands back in the... 70s to ever do a stadium show Mm -hmm. and they're one of the highest selling bands of all time and you know this past summer if I would go out in the road with them now I'll jump on their tour bus and that's awesome and it's like what a crazy a crazy experience and they're just all nice down-to-earth guys you know and it's been kind of like a master class and songwriting and performance watching them night after night side stage from the front of house and You know, not only from an artistic standpoint, but from a technical standpoint of how those shows are run. And their tour manager, this guy Tom, has been very good to me over the years. And, you know, he's another guy that might not call it a mentor, but there's certainly mentorship within the process. He's always allowed me to ask stupid questions. Mm -hmm. And same with the band. Danny Hutton, who who founded the band, has always given me the time to ask him questions that I'm curious about. But it's cool. So this i've done some shows with collective soul big big band out of the 90s and I, i've been very lucky to tour with them a bunch And then this past winter ed roland is the founder of the band or one of the founders mm-hmm. and you know again iconic songs and kind of hit it off with him and he invited me down to do his annual holiday show mm-hmm. and it was funny because it's at this place called eddie's attic in decatur 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 i think it's decatur down in Georgia and I grabbed my buddy Sam Chase who plays in my band and a great singer-songwriter as well. So he came down, we did like a duo thing and Ed's running around and, you know, and I'm in the green room with him and he starts rehearsing with a couple members of Collective Soul and they're singing. I'm like, what is such a trip? You know, like, (laughs) you know, high school me hearing, you know, shine on the radio (laughs) and then to be in the same room while they're like going over it you know before performing it and this night was kind of funny because ed this whole holiday show is a charity show it's a fundraiser mm-hmm. for st jude children's hospital and i think it's called the tj martell foundation and it was there's guys from like red light management were down there and ed's whole camp and crew and there's a great band called driving and crying or I think. Grant, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard them. And Kevin Kinney, so he was there to play some songs like "We're the Little Guys in the Totem Pole," and then you never know how the night's gonna go because Ed's kind of running around like, "All right, you're gonna come up next." Oh wait, 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 we're gonna get someone else up, you know. And then we did two nights down there, and the second night, Edwin McCain shows up to play some songs, which is like, wow. It was the unbelievable quintessential singer songwriter of the 90s. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And he, like, we were supposed to go up. He's like, oh, yeah, hold on. We're just going to get Ed up, Edwin up real quick. And I'm like, <laughs> Edwin McCain? And, like, so we had to follow him. Wow. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to follow Edwin McCain. You know, it was like, and it was uh, an unreal performance. And Ed, Ed and some of the members of Collective Soul play. And it's just one of those experiences that, like, is so surreal, but what was cool about it is Collective Soul's bass player, this guy Will, Will mm-hmm. Turpin, another founding member, he has a studio called Real to Real Studios yeah. down in Georgia. So we spent a day recording over there, and I was having the conversation with him, and he's like, yeah, man, that bass, Eddie Van Halen gave me that bass.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: and it's we're, we're talking about stuff, and he's like it was a nice little icebreaker because he was like, yeah, I think it's wild that like, he was like one of the members of sticks texted me on like Halloween and was, you know, saying something like, Oh, what's up bud? You know? And he was like, dude, it's just wild to me that like over the years in this industry, I've become friends with people that like we idolize. Yeah. yeah. And, And he was like, and I was like, dude, that's kind of like the experience that like I'm having. And he's like, dude, I get it. Yeah. And I think that's what's been really cool about this process is like, I mean, the obvious is everyone's just people, yeah, you know, trying to yeah. do their thing. But you meet these people that kind of maybe take you under their wing a little bit. They under they understand their role in the experience that you're having with them. Yeah. And I think that's been a really cool part of it. Where it's like, for me at least, it's like, okay, like, (laughs) like these dudes like know what this means to me because they've been in that position, and in a lot of ways, still are. Yeah, you know, doing certain shows with bands that they grew up listening to, or Mm -hmm. that they just, you know. So it's, I got to play Horse with No Name with America.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, so like,
1: we were doing a show out in Indiana, and their bass player who you actually used to play with Three Dog Night, so there's kind of a, oh, cool. a, a connection there. And he's like, why don't you jump up and play Horse With No Name with us? It's like the encore for the show. And I was like, really? So it was just such a chirpy moment. Like, everyone knows that song, you know, and to be up there on stage singing harmonies and playing Horse With No Name, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, this is so crazy. Yeah, It was It was just one of those things
0: They put on a great show, too, America.
1: They do. They they put on a great show. Their drummer, this dude, Ryland Steed, or Steen, he's, I think, a couple years older than I am. Incredible drummer. I think he was playing with Real Big Fish. He was Mm -hmm. like Real Big Fish's drummer for a long time. And that was another group of guys, like their bass player and tour manager, this guy, Rich Campbell, who, you know, sitting down with him was just so willing to give me any question I had, he was yeah. there to answer it. Then Jerry and Dewey, who are essentially America, it was kind of cool. They were like, "Oh yes, yeah, say hi to to Danny from Three Dog. He's like a dear friend of ours." Very and cool. So it was. It's just been kind of a <laughs> a wild ride. That every time I I get to work with these guys and the opportunity they give me and the feeling for me to be able to share something that I created with their audiences and and that type of continued exposure i just try and take it in and enjoy it because it's not something i take for granted a career in this business is very fleeting at times yeah, and yeah. sometimes you have it sometimes you don't Yep. so i think it's it's just been a, a wonderful learning experience and then you pair that with the travel and it's something that i i just i'm really grateful to have done that and to keep doing it yeah um so yeah i just it's it's what a what a thing yeah absolutely it's cool cool. i don't you know everyone's got their own little music journey and i just feel really lucky to have stumbled into this stuff somehow you know because there's so much talent out there and
0: there really is yeah and no
1: one's really working harder than the next guy yeah everyone works hard in their own way in their own direction um you know sometimes it's just picking up the phone at the right time Yep. you know that's Absolutely. it so
0: very cool what would you say is the biggest challenge you faced pursuing a path towards music
1: oh man you know when i was listening back to a couple of the podcasts i heard that question i was like that's a good question it's funny cat from rivers between on their interview yeah. she was like oh man i was like <laughs> yeah i feel that i don't know man i it's like a lot of it, for me, I think it's maybe, like, the obsession.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's really hard for me to turn it off. And I there's feel that. <laughs> there's, yeah, and, like, there are certain things that I do, like, specifically to, like, to pull myself away from it and give me that perspective. I don't know. What I've been finding recently is, is time. It's just really hard to come by. You know, we, again, we manage a booking agency that takes a lot of time, and I... And then when you're touring, you're just any, any moment that you would have had time to yourself, you're like amongst a crew of people Yeah. and even your downtime isn't really down. There's like so much time driving and settling into things and you're kind of always on the move, you know? And then the head game of keeping that going, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, man, like what about... Like, what about this do I care about the most? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I think really for me, it's the ability and the time to create and find inspiration and to have a no pressure situation and to do something genuine. And I think the farther you get into a career, you're trying to like maintain this business that yeah. you've kind of found yourself in. And there's some days where it's like you're trying to book yourself for some things, and it's just not happening. And yeah. you're like, "Man, like, do I even like care that much about that? Like, yeah. like, sure, I want to keep working, and I want to work in good environments, and I'm trying to get good shows, but it's like that process is a pain. Yeah, the shows are always most of the time fun. Yeah, but I don't know. I think the challenge is just. The balance and yeah. the time, and finding ways to take yourself back and have perspective on it. Because I've really given a lot of myself to this this pursuit and mm-hmm. this path over the years, but it's never kind of why I did it. I think for me, I just liked creating stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and I feel like when I'm allowed, when the universe allows me the opportunity to do that, in a in a really genuine and un unaffected way. I think that's like the hardest thing to get to. Because yeah. sometimes it's not your choice.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, but when you do get it, it's almost like the rest of the stuff take care takes care of itself. Like yeah. I've always found if I'm creating art or writing just because it's, like, what I'll do and just for enjoyment and mm-hmm. not because I'm trying to, like, oh, I need something for social media or, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I want to, you know, or, or me, you know, whatever it may be. It's, like, I can almost do that and then everything else just falls into place. That's but, cool. but then I feel like there's times where I'm, like, really pushing for something. Like, maybe there's a show that I'm trying to promote and, I'm like, oh, I need content or I'm, like, doing a small tour or something and I'm doing something for the sake of that and it just never like hits the same, yeah. Because yep. it's like it's like you got intention, yeah. You yep. know, and like I don't think the universe likes intention, yeah. You know, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that would be the hardest thing, and. I hate to say it, I had like a little window where the universe gave me that recently. I felt the response from this song that I've been working on. And, yeah. you know, but before that, peop, you know, COVID was a messed up time. Yeah. But COVID yeah. was like, I was like, man, this is like coming home from school as a kid. And there's nothing to, there's nothing to do. And you just go in your room and play guitar. Because it's yeah. like, I was like, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> and I feel like for me, the past few years, were the best I've had, call it professionally and but also creatively, because that was just open. That yeah. Window yeah. was open. And then like everything that I feel like has happened since coming out of COVID, like I didn't really have to work that hard for. You know, but now I'm like in this place where it's like everything's full steam ahead. And yeah. Time is hard to come by. And, you know, I have these moments where I'm like doing something with intention and it's almost like takes away from the outcome, yeah, in yeah. a sense, you know?
0: Yeah, having that space to just be creative and kind of play around with things and, like, create in that way is really important, yeah. It is. And having that balance.
1: And you need it, and it's, like, you know, for, for me, I'm, like, man, I just, I, and it's, you almost, like, I, I want to say, like, I need, like, a month, but even that, you're, like, putting, like,
2: yeah. a time
1: <laughs> frame on it yeah, it's just, it's kind of a weird, just spiritual, heady thing. And again, I don't think it's something that you can always design. I yeah. think sometimes it's like the universe needs to allow you to do it. Definitely. And if and when it does, then you, if you can find yourself in that situation, it's usually a an effortless outcome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Do you have any routines or anything around songwriting that kind of help you stay in the flow or anything?
1: You know, I go in and out. There are certainly periods. Like, you know, the past few years have been kind of tough. I mean, what I've, I've been trying to do is, like, it seems since coming out of COVID, I've toured consistently, like, April through October, November mm-hmm. or so, and then it piddles out and picks back up again. Yeah. And I've usually been really good about, like, trying to write a little every day in between but that's kind of a weird thing too i mean what's interesting is like when i do come off a period of like playing and just gigging and then i'm like oh, I'm trying to be creative it's like takes a second for the muscle to like you're kind of like oh like what you know it, t- <laughs> it takes a hot second to find your to find your rhythm in that so there's something to be said about having that routine this year again it's like i i've kind of I'm busier than I can handle, and yeah. like all aspects of what what we do in this this industry, and that's kind of like messed up my creative routine mm-hmm. a little bit. So I'm trying to I'm trying to like again f- allow myself and find the space and time for that. But I'm also trying not to pressure myself too, yeah. because again, it's like there's kind of something beautiful when there isn't the intention. And sometimes I feel this like strange intention that isn't genuine, mm-hmm. where I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, there's been a couple times, like I did, I've been hired to write some stuff, um, like a couple years ago, we wrote a Christmas song for a, a Hallmark or a Lifetime movie, I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. um, and it, it came out great, it ended up being the, uh, like the opening credits, then I did all the guitar for the rest of the the score for the movie, and I had someone hire me to, to write, like their podcast sound. You oh know, cool! Whatever it was, and you know that I love doing stuff like that because that's stuff where it's like task oriented, yeah. And it's like you're not writing from like a from like a, a muse point of view. Yeah, you're yeah. writing from a like oh here's the idea, here's what, what it needs. It's a craft, yeah, in a sense. Um, you know, that's I, I love stuff like that. But in terms of stuff that like feels like I'm tapping into something, that's kind of a different. Experience for me because mm-hmm. I I want I want something that feels real or right or true to me. Yeah. And sometimes when you're going through the routine of writing to write, like, listen, you're you're gonna be a better writer for it. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And the more you do it, the better you're gonna get. And not to say you could stumble across some of your best stuff. Yeah. But there's definitely like a feeling that comes if you're like tapped into something and you kind of know it and don't know it at the same time. But it's weird, too. I also remember when I first started writing a lot, what might have been the concept of being fearless, I think, was just stupid. Like, I didn't know any better. Yeah. Like, I didn't have a song that's that was, like, sounded like this or felt like that. So everything was kind of new. Mm-hmm. And you're just, like, writing and writing. You don't know what's, like, good.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So... But now is like I've been doing this for many years and I, I feel like I've put out some work that I'm proud of and that I think I hope is good. Um, it makes it a little bit harder because it's I'm more inclined to be like, This is trash. Yeah. Like you ever play a video game mm-hmm. and you're like like you're trying to get to the next level yeah. and then like the first five seconds you mess up. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to start over. <laughs> and you don't even like give yourself the chance to see where it goes. Yeah. yeah, Like that is kind of what it's like sometimes is where you're like, you're going to start this trash. But I'm like, man, like I, I want to try and do a better job at um, what used to be being stupid. I think now would be being fearless. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. write what you're going to write and be okay with how it comes out. And, and John Mayer has a really good thing about this. I was listening to some talk he gave up at Berkeley. And he's like, I was in this point where I was writing, and he's like, ah, oh, this song, there's like a song that sounds like it. This is like that song. And he's like, but then I learned to trust that, like, whatever I do, it's never going to be like something else. Like, it might share objectively some of the similar characteristics, but it's always going to be John Mayer. Yeah. And I was like, man, it's like just stupid and easy, but really good advice. So I think I'm trying to get back to that place. What would now be fearlessness and trusting? Trusting that what you're gonna do is gonna be okay, and you you don't have to use it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't have to use it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think opening it's hard to open up to all of the stuff, especially in the early stages. It's like can be easy to just want to jump to a different idea if you you're not fully feeling it or something and
1: yeah, it, yeah and it's great like you know when you have zero songs like the first song you write's an accomplishment and then you're like oh but this one has a different strumming pattern and this one's on yeah. a different topic and this one has a finger picking pattern <laughs> and then you fast forward 15 years and you're like oh man like this is all you know what am I doing that's different but it all, it, it doesn't matter like yeah. it's you know it's weird how this industry works too is one of the first the first album I put out, there's this song on it. And, like, listen, at the time, I was so jazzed up on this album. Just because it was, like, I've never really recorded in a, with good microphones, mm-hmm. good preamps. And I was like, wow, this is great and really cool. And But it sucks.
0: You know, I listen to
1: it now, and it's just, like, trash. Like, I was just so inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And I I just lacked years of focus and refinement. And just like anyone... Would Yeah. Wood. And I don't fault myself for that. But there was a song on the album called Cherry Pie, which I just, I can't even, like, I, it's just, I want it to burn in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> and I got this call 14 years after I recorded it that it was picked up for a Netflix movie.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> and
1: it, it was a Netflix movie called Dog Gone with Rob Lowe, and it was, like, trending number one for, like, the week or whatever. Total, you know, cheese feel-good movie. <laughs> about dogs, and my wife and I, we have two dogs, so I I totally love that. But I'm like, why'd you have to pick this song? (laughs)
3: Like, this song sucks,
1: you know? But it was, like, one of those weird things, and that's another thing about this industry that messes with your head is, like, just when you're, like oh man, like nothing's working and it sucks. And then you get like a call out of the blue and you're like, <laughs> I'm back in the game, you know? <laughs> so it's really like kind of a hard, a strange thing. Like the the relationship, it's just, it's a very like rewarding, but like difficult relationship almost. Yeah. And again, like the older I get and I see I'm 39 and, you know, I'm still a young guy by... How old are you? I'm 39 as, 39. as well. Okay, so, like, you're, lo- like, looking at 40. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, like, like am I just, like, the old guy doing kid stuff now? Yeah. So it's kind of like a strange a, a strange thing, I, you know. But every time it seems like it's not working and it's quiet... Then you get a call that like motivates you, yep. <laughs> and it's like kind of almost not fair, yeah. Because you know, yeah. you're like, I was just finding my peace, and like <laughs> I'm just learning to like, you know, have an identity outside of this, and you know, then like you're like, oh, I'm gonna, like I'm I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna sell all my possessions for the new piece of gear and make this record. You know, it's like just oh, it's, it's like a mental. A mental thing, you know? (laughs) Definitely. I I feel like, I I think a lot of artists would say that. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just completely nuts. No, I I I think it,
0: I've, from talking to other artists, have heard similar things where it's like, it's it's definitely a process and takes a lot of time and stuff. But it also, it's interesting because also what you write, like, as an artist is so subjective, it can translate differently to the listener too. So you could write a song and think it's, trash and then someone else could listen to it and be like this is amazing and it speaks to me and stuff. right so it's
1: and you never know yeah
0: you, you'd you never, never know, know what the connection will be yeah right you have a record label as well called pb and j records can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah the record label thing i guess 12 13 15 years ago when we started it i kind of just wanted a way to be able to work on original projects when i didn't have one of my own going on And it's cool. We've worked with a lot of great artists over the years, and at first we were, like, taking the traditional approach of finding ways to fund someone's project and releasing it and seeing what happened. Um, But it's morphed, you know? I, I think our record label now is it's funny a few years ago i redid the website for it's called pb and j records and i was like how do i even describe what this company is so i wikipedia like record label and i was like here's what wikipedia defines a record label as but we're just a company that really enjoys being involved in all aspects of music Mm -hmm. so like we're now we have a studio in situate where we're recording singles and eps and albums for people um You know, there's certain people that have approached me, oh, can you manage my band or manage whatever? And then, of course, we have the whole venue management side where we represent 20-plus venues throughout New England where where we're booking all of their music. Maybe we're consulting them a little bit. Um, My wife, who does all the photo and video work for us. So I guess we're less and less and less of a traditional record label as time goes on. And it's funny, when I get asked weekly, if like email hey we're a band from so-and-so we're looking for representation and you know the answer is like oh well we don't really represent artists per se Mm -hmm. but we do have a network and what we do really well and what we do enjoy doing is finding these symbiotic relationships where everyone benefits Mm -hmm. and I think at the end of the day that's kind of what a record label is, like for countless artists, we've had people come through open mics or our songwriter rounds, and they want to play gigs, and I say, yeah, well, we have a ton of rooms we we can put you at, but I'm a middle guy essentially, and I need to show yeah. show these rooms what I'm putting in their venue, yeah. You know, and then they'll say, "Oh, well, okay." You know, I've had situations where someone's super talented, and they just don't have anything to show except their performance. And we'll say, "Okay, well, why don't you come down and record with us, and we'll we'll get you going. Like we'll record we'll record a few songs, and then on the backside, we can now use what you did to put you in rooms to pay for your project. That's a very traditional, excuse me, record label." approach yeah but i guess what we've kind of done is created this little self-sustaining ecosphere where we can you know all the rooms we represent are happy because we're providing them with great artists we're giving great artists an opportunity to grow and practice their craft and if artists are trying to find a way into the rooms we give them an opportunity to create the content that can help them with that and what we find now is we have an artist that now has work and content that's providing the room what they want, which is great entertainment, mm-hmm. which essentially is great for us um, because now it's all it's like a shared resource. Yeah, thing, yeah. In a sense. Um, so it's weird. Like if people are like, oh, can you manage me? I'm like, why? I just – I don't have the capacity to like – Wake up every day and look out for one person's best interest. Yeah. Um, but I like to think of it as kind of overseeing um, overseeing a network, and that's cool. and knowing what's going to keep this network functioning well. Mm-hmm. And as this network grows, the more people and places we can help. Yeah. But that's again, like you know, that started very happenstance for me, and as a as an artist just starting out it was a great way to take the pressure off having to be successful as an artist. Yeah. And now what I'm finding is it's like, it's at times can be, I don't want to say detrimental. Mm -hmm. My, my path as an artist, but challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's time consuming, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's also been one of the best things that could happen because I'm building relationships all over that are providing me personally And, and the people in this network, with more opportunity. Yeah. There's a lot of artists that I've met through open mics that we've been able to put them up at an opening slot in front of 3,000 people or book their own ticketed original show app, which is kind of funny because without even knowing it, we developed a, a, st- a structure where artists can develop themselves. Mm-hmm. Again, that's kind of what a record label might do yeah. for an artist but we take maybe less of a personalized and individualized approach mm-hmm. and we use that concept throughout a network. So it's weird. I, I think it's, it's one and the same, but completely different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's
0: a cool approach to it though, because it really helps kind of build the community of people who can get out there and play and it does. do does gigs and stuff. You know,
1: and it's challenging. Like I've certainly gotten a lot of a flack for it. Um, because I can't give opportunity to everyone. Yeah. These yeah. are people that I love and care about, um, but you know they don't understand the inner workings of it or the time that goes into it. Because the truth is, I, I really want to give opportunity and help to anyone I can. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been there.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know I I've had people say, oh, you know he keeps the good gigs for himself, or you know he he knows people. I'm like, dude, I I started out the same way that anyone else does. I'm yeah. still trying to figure it out. You know so it's been i think that's the hard part is when you can't give people that you genuinely admire and you think are great at what they do opportunity and yeah. and they don't and now you're the bad guy because maybe they saw you gave a friend of theirs opportunity or mm-hmm. something um and I get that i i do um yeah. but it's like it's just a a hard sometimes a hard place to be it's the, the bad part of the job, yeah, but the majority of it ninety five percent of the work is good work and I think people are appreciative of it, you know, and if, if they enjoy working with us, great. If they don't, you know, they don't have to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like the, in a strange way almost the exact opposite reason why I got into art because it's, (laughs) it's turned very much so into a business Mm -hmm. and like the, the teenage kid in me, it like screams at myself sometimes, (laughs) but also the artist to me, realize as you get older like this is how it works
2: yeah yeah you
1: know and a lot of what I've learned is that a lot of bands and you know a lot of these acts that we all know and love have stuff going on behind the scenes that you you would never know about or you don't see and these are things that help keep all of it afloat yeah you know because it's even where where we're sitting now at the record company I mean this this room this one room of many is $60,000. Yeah. You know, maybe more. 15 by 20 foot rectangle. Yep. This business is very, you know, we need even learning about the touring industry, you know, and what it costs to get 15 guys down the road night after night. Oh yeah. It's insane. Yep. You know, do I think that yeah, some ticket agencies are taking advantage of the fees and all that and there's definitely some gouging going on yeah. here and there yeah. but it's it's like it's cuz it's weird to make to write a song costs nothing yeah but to record a song it's it's yeah. like a cruel joke yeah you know it's like it's and the risk is insane like even recording a song if it goes swimmingly well like it's not like creating Pepsi where you made that one product and it's going to like make Millions year out, maybe it will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, art is not. It, it, it's a need. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. People just don't realize that it's a need yeah. in their life. You know, like it's it's just such a again a weird heady thing. I think like the general public's relationship with art is something that isn't well understood either. Yeah. I don't know, like I don't know why hearing something melodic is so pleasing to yeah, us. Yeah. You know, there's some like I don't know why a song can remind us of childhood uh, or a picture can, you know, make us imagine something and yeah. why we don't need it, but yeah. we do. What would <laughs> yeah. life be without it? Yeah, it would not worth not, living, yeah. you know, like <laughs> so but we don't need it in the sense that we need water or yeah. food and those commodities are getting more more expensive, but it's it's like cheaper it's cheaper to, like, feed a family for a year than it is to, like, record and promote an album, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, a weird, it's such a weird thing, That you is, know?
0: yeah, super weird. Yeah. With home recording, it's gotten a little bit easier. It depends, like, what level you want to bring it to, too, I guess. But, yeah, it's... Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, I mean, I think great records can be made in in little home studios. Yeah. And trash records can be made in world-class studios. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Again, what's the, like, what's the catalyst for that? And I also think technology has expanded the ear of the art form. I mentioned Drake earlier. That's a record that can totally be made off of a laptop and sound great. And, you know, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, uh, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate that side of the art form. I think, unfortunately, for the singer-songwriter type, where we need people and we need a band... You know, for me, hate trying to record, like, even in our studio, I'll have my band in and we'll demo stuff or we'll do a video. And I I hate running Logic and engineering. And it's just, it's it's like, it's all chipping away at, like, being in that moment of performance. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm going to record a a full record, I'm going to rent a studio that has all the gear, that has the good sounding rooms, and just try and really be present on on the performance aspect yeah. in the artistic aspect here so it's kind of you know what started is like a an offshoot of the of the main idea has grown into something that's been really beneficial to a lot of people in the community as as well as myself and i you know it's a fun and interesting thing to work on and i think one of the reasons that it grew is because with a lot of the rooms that we book when we first started doing it, we were very artist-focused, mm-hmm. so we were bringing people to rooms that were playing and singing original stuff that was really in their own right, and I think yeah. that's what people respond to, is when people see something that's unique. You know, there's a time and a place for it, of course. You know, getting a singer-songwriter that's going to play, you know, really beautiful, heartfelt, maybe sad, introspective songs versus getting a guy up there that's going to belt out Sweet Caroline for a a bunch of people drinking. But I think what's kind of allowed this business to grow has always kind of been what my focus is, is just people with great original music. And that's kind of what we've always, has always kind of been our compass, That's in a sense. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us a story behind one of the songs you've written that holds special meaning for you? Sure. I mean,
1: I guess they all kind of do, in a sense. I mean, I think uh, one that really comes to mind would be i'm not the only one i think it's a song that captures like the duality of of i I mean i guess life in a sense and i wrote it because at the time i was touring a lot and completely getting the opportunity to live my dream but on the other hand i was missing a lot of stuff because touring you know there isn't much glamour in it Mm -hmm. i tore in an old rv and oftentimes it's a five hour drive between shows. So I'll leave a venue at, you know, 11 or midnight and I'll drive for two and a half hours and I'll sleep in a, you know, Walmart or a truck stop and then wake up the next day, drive another couple hours. And, but it's all exciting because I'm, again, practicing a craft and I'm getting to perform songs that I created for audiences. And I was, getting great responses night after night. And I just was loving the whole thing. But then it's like a lot of stuff that, you know, you come home and like the lawn is like a foot (laughs) tall and, you know, you miss like your, your buddies that like, you know, all went to the beach on a day or something. And the things that like, you know, you just miss things. Um, And it was kind of about that. And also, it's written about some of the people that i've met that have lived this this life and doing this for 30 40 50 years mm-hmm. and that balance and because it's such highs and lows it's like i had this normally i travel with someone that helps out with merch and and all this stuff because like it's just hard to do all of it but there's been a couple of runs where i've done the rv thing by myself and this song kind of like i had this great run down in florida And then the next week shows, it was like Florida was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Mm -hmm. Sunday. And then I had to be up in like uh, Detroit for like Thursday, the next weekend's run. And I had like a, you know, couple day drive, three day Mm -hmm. drive by myself, long drives. And it just like felt so like vacant Mm -hmm. because you're just like when you when you don't have a purpose, you know, like on a show day, like I have a purpose, like I'm here, yeah. This is a job to do. But when you don't have that purpose, it's like the that feeling of like connectivity, like changes mm-hmm. so fast. Um, and the song premises, I'm not the only one and you want to go home. And it was just a weird feeling to be doing something that like you've absolutely worked for and you love doing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like you want to go home. And then you're home and you're like, well, I want to go back out. <laughs> so it's it's kind of about that. And I think it's kind of about some of the sacrifice that comes with being true to to yourself and, and trying to stay involved with all aspects of it. And that song, I think, is meaningful f- for me, at least, because it just came at that point where a lot of things for me were being realized. Yeah. And when that happens you start facing the truth of what that realization looks like and you see it from a different angle so and it's weird like i i can smell the air when i hear that song about when it was written and i'm taken back to that moment and i just i like the song too yeah a lot of times when you do write a song you don't understand what you're writing it about or why yeah and then you come to find out that it's just a cathartic process and when it's all said and done you're like oh that's what was in me that needed. That was yeah, trying yeah. to trying to get out. So yeah, that 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 song is kind of meant a lot. And the band plays plays the hell out of that song. Yeah, and it's really fun to perform live. Very, so it's it's been a good little token of this journey that I can continue to take with me. Nice. You know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man.
0: Cool. What's one piece of advice you'd give to singer songwriters just starting out?
1: Oh man. <laughs> I'm still looking for advice. I still Mm -hmm. don't know how or what the next step is, or that's still something I'm trying to learn. I think maybe that's the beauty of this process. Like the business of music is the wild, wild West, you know? And it's not like any other job where maybe you get the degree and you get the job and you get the raise and, and then you get the promotion and, It's, it's very, there's no one way that anything is done in this business. I think one piece of advice, man, this is, this is like such a hard question. Trying to think what I would tell myself years ago. I'd say just keep, keep writing, like keep, keep doing it. I, I think maybe the one thing I've learned with the few moments of success that I've had, I think it comes down to perseverance yeah. And it's it's okay to feel down, and it's okay to feel like it's a futile process. But I I think the magic's in the mystery. I I think it's like you just keep doing it. I, you know, I've I've been very fortunate where I feel like I was too dumb to stop, or or maybe I you know I I didn't graduate college or anything, so I never felt like there was another option to really mm-hmm. go pursue. And I always just loved it. It's always something I've I've done. So it's weird to give advice on something that was kind of natural in yeah, a sense, yeah. but I I think if it's understood that there's no guarantee, as there never is with anything, I think I think my advice would just be don't stop and say yes to everything. Yeah, say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of young artists that come across my desk, and mm-hmm. maybe I'll offer them a gig, and they've never really done too many gigs, and. They say no because it's not the right gig form or they say, you know, this is their rate and they stick with it, which is fine. Like, I'm not in the business of telling people what they are and aren't worth, you know, or what they're capable of. But the truth of the matter is if you want to do this full time and you want to work, you got to say yes to everything. Yeah. Because that's, you know, you got to be easy to work with. It's I've gotten so many of the opportunities I have. Because I said yes, even if I didn't really want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I just haven't know, you just don't know where it's going to lead you. Yeah. But Because I've always said yes to stuff and been curious, people keep calling me back. Yeah. And 15 years later, I mean, that's kind of an offshoot of how the agency grew as well. Because I just said yes to every gig, whether if it was 25 bucks in a cheeseburger or a $1,000 private gig course you say yes to that yeah you know but i just kept saying yes and then eventually it comes to a place where i I just couldn't do the gigs yeah and i started outsourcing them and then i i couldn't do i physically couldn't do favors Mm -hmm. anymore and i think just being available and i can't tell you how many times i've been told no way more than i've been told yes only to find out that four years later someone called me up because I was available, I was nice, I didn't lash out or get upset. Yeah, You're going to hear a lot of no in this business. I, I'd say just keep going and say yes, you know, Very cool. and eventually you'll be more busy than you could ever know what to do with. It might not be what you ever imagined, you yeah. know, and it might not be the right type of busy, but if you're in that position where you're like, oh, I'm saying yes to these gigs and work's coming in, and for whatever reason it doesn't, you know, fill your soul, then maybe this isn't the thing, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, like I'm still doing bar gigs, and i i'll I'll continue to do bar gigs, yeah, but it's like it's just knowing that like keep going, something else is right around the corner, and there's some great bar gigs out out there don't don't get me wrong, yeah. and but I did such a sea of them, yeah, seven, seven yeah. days a week for like <laughs> ten years before I finally started getting like some opportunities that felt. They supported what I was trying to Mm -hmm. do. And I just see a a lot of people out there that, you know, Ashton Kutcher, of all people. I, I remember this quote during the Kids' Choice Awards, which is like, some Nickelodeon <laughs> thing. It's, like, you know, thousands of screaming tweens. Yeah. And they're not, like, listening to a word this guy's saying, <laughs> you know. And he gets up there, and he gives us, like, actually, this really great speech, and no one's listening. But the, <laughs> the one thing he said, one of the cool things he said, he's, like, I want you guys to remember what opportunity looks like. And he's, like, opportunity looks like hard work. Yeah. And it's so true because no matter, like – you know, in my experience, like people are like, I remember going to see shows as a kid and thinking that like the famous person on stage just like showed up there. Yeah. Like they were almost teleported. And I'm a big Seinfeld fan. And Jerry Seinfeld and Alec Baldwin on his show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, they have a great conversation about this. Mm-hmm. And Jerry's like, the showbiz machine brought him to the show. But it's like, remember, every time you go see a touring band, Like, they're probably already exhausted. Yeah. By the time, you know, it's like they just did, like, a seven-hour overnight on a bunk on a bus that's very much moving. Sleeping on a bunk in a bus isn't that much different than sleeping in a car banging down the road. You know, then throw in the dynamic of personalities, and you got to get up, and, you know, maybe you haven't showered. Like, you're exhausted, and people don't see that. People don't see how long it takes to book a tour or book shows or the work that goes into it even the business aspect like the amount of 1099s that i get is insane
0: oh i bet you know and it's like
1: (laughs) a lot of these artists are dealing with the same thing and this is stuff that they gotta like you know they gotta do opportunity i think does look like hard work because if people understood the stuff that goes on behind closed doors to make these things happen. It's almost silly. And my, my dad has been out in the road with me a few times and he kind of looked at me, you know, because we I forget who I was torn with at the time, but there's, you know, tractor trailers and there's crews. And he's like, this is kind of a silly thing to do for an hour and a half show. <laughs> and I look back on when I was living in Burlington, Vermont, and my family has a little place in, the, in New Hampshire, which was great. Because being from Weymouth, mm-hmm. south of Boston, I kind of had this like touring route that I would do. and call it, you know, tour, touring route lightly. But <laughs> I, I'd leave Vermont and I'd hit up all the little open mics that I could along the way. And I'd make a few days out of it. And then those open mic turned into like these little gigs at little pubs and inns and stuff, you know, throughout the region. And it's funny because years later, now it's like people remember me. Yeah. That I, for these things that felt so insignificant. And now if I want to go play throughout New England, it just gets a little easier, you know? Yeah. I'm not not pretending that the masses are coming out, but I have these little pockets that I can go to and put a few bucks in my pocket and practice my craft, in That's a sense, cool. and keep keep the, the, the wheels moving. You That's know? awesome. It's good to um, have
0: those places. And-
1: it is. You need yeah. those. That's your bread and butter, you yeah. know? I mean, and I've seen even some of the biggest bands that we all know have been part of these shows shows that are subpar for them shows that are undersold shows get canceled you know stuff that people just don't want to do and but they get up there and they do it and but i've also been there for some of these successful things where the house is packed everything's firing on all cylinders and but yeah i think long, 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 long way to answer this. Just say say yes and keep going, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, hope, I hope someone might benefit from that advice. Yeah,
0: I think it's great advice. Somewhere, you know? Yeah.
1: Not to say you shouldn't have some strategy and, yeah. you know, hey, maybe there's guys out there that play a different game. That's just what worked for me.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. I think also the strategy can come with experience as well because I think, like, a lot of... I I know from my own experience it was kind of just saying yes as well and right. figuring it out as I went. Right, right.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't you don't even know what you're yeah you're getting into or you know. There's definitely been times where I felt like I wasn't the right man for the job, and maybe someone really wanted me for it. And you know, I I, I still say yes to to some strange things out there that on the surface might look like it's not doing anything for me but you never know i mean yeah. and and it all comes in strange some of the best some of the things that have taken the most care of me have been from stuff that you would almost this this happened very oddly to me when i was first when we first opened our studio space there was in COVID hit, we opened our studio two weeks before COVID shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh my God, what do we do? And then we had to adapt to streaming and we were in the position where we could do streaming very well. Yeah. But of course we didn't know how to do this on a professional yeah, level, yeah. but then we started taking on these streaming jobs and these streaming jobs had nothing to do with me as an artist. It had nothing to do with, you know, music. We were, like, streaming, like, essentially a variety show for a, a recovery company. Like, a, a it's a, like, alcohol mm-hmm. ab- and drug or alcohol and drug abuse mm-hmm. thing. So a great cause, you know, and they hired us to do what would have been their annual thing. You know, and now I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how to do this. and <laughs> And I'm, like, putting the hours in. You know, when you weigh the the hours versus what the gig paid, you know, just to learn how to get to that point and not even really being able, being 100% sure that it was going to work and testing it on myself, it was like, no one should have said yes to this in terms of like, (laughs) you know, but it was, it was, it was something that I was like, the opportunity is there. Let's take it, see where it goes. Come to find out one of the people that were very involved with this, um, this peer recovery thing they believed in me and they gave me five thousand dollars out of pocket oh wow and they were like use this to make your art
0: that's awesome
1: and that's something that like nobody sees it nobody hears about it it's very quiet it's very you know uh, like dignified i guess it's just very like there's no fanfare around it but that like i'm like man you know like that never would have happened if I looked at that project yeah. and I was like, this doesn't have anything to do with my art. This, I'm not recording music. It was kind of a left turn that I was just saying yes to keep our studio afloat. Yeah. And of course, it was a, a great a great cause, which I'm always happy to, to support. Um, but I know a lot of people that would have said no to that. You know, not for malicious reasons, just because you look at the time versus reward. And I feel like a lot of things have come to me in that way, where yeah. it's been like, I don't know why they show up on my doorstep, but they do. So I open the door, and sometimes there's a little package with with a great reward inside that never would have happened if I wasn't open to the idea. Yeah. And I try to maintain that as I as I go along with this Um it gets harder and harder you know yeah. you get busier and busier um more and more responsibilities as time goes on you get settled in your ways mm-hmm. and i try and remember the the uh the spirit and the energy and the um the excitement that i had uh you know or, or when i first started yeah yeah and i think that's that's important and if you can't remember that and tap into it then it's like all right maybe yeah maybe maybe just move on
0: staying connected to that that spark that originally kind of like drove you, yet the passion behind it is right. really important.
1: And sometimes it takes a little effort, yeah. you know. Sometimes it it takes almost what seems like going backwards to do it. Sometimes it takes time away, yeah. to figure it out, you know. And it's it's funny for me that's like winter. Whenever winter comes, it's like, you know, I I love skiing. Yeah, and that's like one of the things that just like I, I go up there, I ski for a couple days. I don't even think about about music
0: that's awesome and i think
1: it's like totally healthy for me yeah yeah because then i get like some perspective where it's like dude just chill out like you're doing fine yeah like just let it happen as it does and continue to to be interested yeah like it's it's that easy at the end of the day definitely you know
0: very cool yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today and sharing some amazing stories and insights. And thank you. Yeah, excited to hear some music. So let's dive into the performance.
1: Sure, we'll play some tunes for you. Sweet. I'm gonna play a song for you guys now. It's called "The Ballad of Morris Garvey." Um, Morris had a nickname called Buddy, and he was uh, a kid that I knew from kindergarten, and he was just this tough little kid that grew up really hard um, and never really had some of the opportunities in life that a lot of people had and um, sadly Buddy ended up passing away uh, several years ago just before his 30th birthday I believe Um, and last time I saw him was by happenstance at this bar that I was playing at Um, and Buddy just but he had a heart of gold and to so the people that he grew up with and that he knew, um, he would give you the shirt off his back. Um, so this is called, excuse me, the, the ballad of uh, the ballad of Morris Garvey.
2: It's a brand new song. <laughs>
3: If I ever get out alive
1: Yes, yeah, so this song's called Whiskey in the Rain And um, I, I open a lot of my, my opening sets If I'm uh, doing a solo set with this song Um, It's been with me for for a little while now, and I think this is kind of one of the first songs that I wrote that I felt like people um, responded to or remembered. Um, I, I, I still enjoy playing it.
2: Here we go.
3: In there. sign Trying to get back home for supper time So,
1: what's uh... a. My right, last one here. Yeah. So, this is the song uh, I'm Not the Only One that I was telling you about a little earlier when you were like, hey, what's a song that means something to you? And they all kind of do some more than others. Um, but this song kind of resonated with me a little bit here. Um, it was kind of uh, matter of fact in a sense, these, the way it was written. Um, here we go you
3: I'm the only one
1: Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Uh for those listeners out there, you told me you wanted to give a little uh how can I find my music here? So you can find my tunes at JPissarosmusic.com. It's J A Y in Peter, S is in Sam, A-R-O-S music.com. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, Spotify, every place that music is streaming, um track me down, send me a message, and I'd love to say hi to you. Thanks again to uh, my buddy Lars over here. Thanks, brother.
0: Thanks for listening to the Songs of Inspiration podcast. Until next time, keep supporting local music, stay safe, and be well. This podcast was produced by True to the Vision Music. For more information on us, check out larswickland.net.